Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. Olympic torch flaming. We burn so sweet. The thrill of victory. The agony defeat. We crush. All right, so <clears throat> for the second episode of the Throws Trap Podcast, we have Rainus Kragers on. Yes, uh, Rainus is probably one of my best friends um, in this sport. Um, Rainus is a decathlete for the country of Latvia in Eastern Europe. And uh, him and I were teammates once upon a time when I was an uh, athlete at Kansas State University. Uh, he's currently a post-collegiate, uh, trying to achieve the great dream of that professional track and field life. And, you know, Rainus is probably one of my favorite people to talk to because he has one of the most interesting stories I think I've encountered in our sport. Um, he's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in terms of coaching changes uh, moving to a new country, dealing with a new environment, new culture, and also um, one of the greatest comebacks from injury I think anybody will ever hear. And I'm glad to welcome on Rainus Kragers. Thank you for coming on the podcast today, Rainus. Hi, one thing I wanted to say um, when you introduced me with being from Eastern Europe, I wanted to punch you in the face. <laughs> one one thing that uh, Latvia is either Northeast Europe or Northern Europe now classified. Eastern Europe, you can talk about Serbians and those guys. <laughs> we are closer to Scandinavians <laughs> in that sense, but I'm glad to be here. I've been actually very excited for the past two weeks to, to join you guys and um, just chat and be in a different environment in a sense and maybe hopefully encourage somebody. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you on. You know, um, I know when we st- when Myra and I were talking about starting this podcast, I knew I had a couple mo- uh, names in mind I wanted to have on, and I tried to pitch to him. I was like, okay, I know it's the Throws Chat podcast. We mostly discuss throwers, but one of my good friends is a decathlete, and you know, you guys do while do throwing events, maybe not be especially known for it. Like, I figured you would be one of the best guests we could possibly have on. And, you know, I think we can go outside just the realms of strict, like, throws training and discuss, like, what it means to be a true track athlete and how you, and, and how you kind of have to go through that to, in, to, be, to better yourself while maybe not in the uh, greatest environments or uh, greatest situations. Um... I guess we want to start off, like, you know, what got you into the sport, man? Like, um, what what was life like for you in Latvia, and what got you started to want to uh, be involved in track and field? Well, I started more, maybe more seriously, if you can say that, third grade. I started with basketball. Um, that was my passion. Up until I realized I can't win medals there. Uh, so I'm from a small town, about 2,000 people town, a little more now, and uh, it, it was just not rewarding at all <laughs> to be part of a small team, and my dad, uh, a couple of years of the decathlon, he was uh, he went to a boarding school in Latvia in I think 80s, in the 80s, and did that for a couple of years, and I knew if you're decent enough in your you know, county or even national level, you'll get a lot of medals. So the first hook was actually just the reward, <laughs> the reward of track and field, that you get to compete and you get to be one of the best in many, many events. Um, and, I, and I have to say, um, you know, how I 
why I felt con- convinced that I have to, you know, spend some time with you here on the podcast. I I felt like not necessarily competent uh, throws particularly. We've had the the longest and healthiest conversations with Jason about uh, with you about uh, just throwing methods and techniques and ideas and, and, and things. I think partly because my first coach in Latvia was uh, also first coach of several uh, Olympians and not just Olympians but medalists. One guy was uh, uh, Beijing Einar Skovals, uh, Beijing silver medalist in the javelin throw. Uh, so I, I just, you know, I've, I've been exposed to throws and good throws coaches in the past, and I've, I've gotten excited about some of the concepts there. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the Cathlon is, is like a drug. <laughs> I'm sure you guys, you guys can relate with with the throws. Uh, once you get hooked, it's just too much. Ex- it's such a challenge, and you can't escape it. <laughs> get out of there. There's so much to learn, and so so much to improve. It's never 100%. Is that pursuit, and not easy to get out. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that moment where um, you even you even think about, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, but then when you find yourself, you take a few days off, and you just your brain keeps working still and keeps thinking in that athletic mindset of things you can improve and just that that drive to make yourself better just kind of doesn't leave you. <laughs> I know I've had that conversation with uh, Ryan Hirschberger before when he took time off. <laughs> well, you're exactly right with that. I, you know, I, I came back from Taiwan and I went to the World University Games just a month ago, almost exactly a month ago. And uh, coach, coach gave me uh, a week off completely. And most of the time, where I should have been resting and you know eating ice cream and doing something that you know most people enjoy, I spent time researching on the you know what could be the best uh, strength conditioning exercises, sports specific exercises I could be doing next year mm-hmm. for the benefit of the decathlon that I can use and coach to others you know in the future. So, I mean, I use my rest time as a another just another way to add something to my decathlon and somebody else's decathlon anyway. So, you're exactly right. So, um, tell us how you ended up at Kansas State for track and field. Kansas State, for me, was an accident, honestly. Um, um, I graduated high school in uh, 2011. And uh, I was looking into like into uh, American colleges at then, but I knew I would need to spend a year, at least a year, in Latvia because my English wasn't. It's now terrible, but now, <laughs> at that time, say a sentence. I mean, it was really terrible. <laughs> well, I would argue you speak English better than most Americans I've encountered, especially well, in Kansas. I, I appreciate that you said that, but you weren't there when I came the freshman semester. Uh, I. It was a struggle bus, I have to say. Yeah. But, but um, K-State was a, an accident uh, in a sense of I didn't even know that you guys, well, they existed. Um, I looked into, I had enough, I had enough decathlon points from uh, 2011 from the European under under 20 championships. Um, that 
was in Tallinn. I scored 76-39 with junior implements, which for throwers won't mean much. But I was fifth in Europe. And mm-hmm. uh, for many big-time colleges, D1 colleges, it was enough. Uh, uh, but, but I got injured the following year. I actually tore, partially tore a ligament in my ankle. Um, and I had to take some time off. And, you know, I was being honest with the colleges that I was wanting to go to, University of Texas. I talked to Oregon and several others. And there are some that reached out to me. And something always seemed to um, not to work out completely. I even sent some uh, sent transcripts um, to some schools, and it just didn't work out. Uh, and then K-State was uh, one of our, currently actually he's the head track coach uh, of our Latvian national team. Really? He, yeah. No, no, the guy, guy knew our K-State's, um, coach at the time his name was Mike Smith and mm. uh, he just basically gave him a call and asked whether there's any openings any open spot for, for a decathlete from Latvia and it was a matter of I don't want to exaggerate but no more than like four days they called me back and you know they knew everything I had told my coach from Latvia everything that's going on and I uh, communicated you know that I'm injured and would they take me? And it was a matter of a couple of days, and they called back. Um, I understood like probably one third of what they said, but basically they gave me they gave me a full ride uh, within a couple of days when I had already given up all the you know hopes and dreams about America. It was um, and I spent about four months to send the transcript and everything. To K State, and you know, I honestly only believed when I had my ticket to America. Only then I started believing that I'm going. <laughs> and that was 2013 January when I got here. And I'm still here in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. So, um, what was it like uh, moving from Latvia to the United States? Was there much of a culture shock for you? Manhattan, 
there is an African American guy approached me right away, like within 15 minutes of me getting there. Like, how's it going, man? You want to play video games with me? And I have to say that one of the biggest struggles for me was to understand, um, you know, mainly mainly African American accents, especially if people were out of state, like somewhere from the south. I just couldn't, you know, I was barely speaking any English, and that was mainly British English that we got taught. But people are like, I don't even know you. You're inviting me to play video games. <laughs> it was just kind of, yeah, it, was, it took some time. And um, maybe other, the other thing, um, a, lot of, a lot of times you guys don't think about it, but how are you question, to me, in my country, if you ask how I'm doing, better stand there and listen to me pass <laughs> by and <laughs> you know, pretend like it's a high um, so that was a shock and I, I actually trained my uh, floor mates in the dorms first first semester to, to stop and listen to me about 10 minutes every time they ask me how I'm doing <laughs> so, it was yeah that's funny I actually sort of had a similar story uh, when I moved to K-State was, uh, I guess, me being from the East Coast of the U.S. and Pennsylvania. Uh, and I guess I was just kind of a loner anyway, in respects. So it, it, it took me a while to warm up to people. When I moved out to K-State and I just met all these people, like, in the dorms like that, and they all wanted to say hi or even say, hey, let's hang out. I'm like, why, why are you talking to me? I don't, I don't know you. Like, we haven't met, like, formally. Like, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> so I could imagine... Um, how that was probably even more so for you in your in your situation. So, you know, you 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 transitioned culturally to K State. Um, what was it like shifting like coaches from, you know, your old coach in Latvia who you know did work with uh, multiple Olympians to, uh, you know, who could probably consider one of the top coaches in Latvia to essentially one of the top coaches all around in the United States and uh, Cliff Revelto, who's also coached numerous Olympians in the uh, multis and, of course, currently Eric Kennard in the high jump. Well, um, in Latvia, my former coach, my, like my first coach from my hometown, um, he coached me up until I graduated high school and then I moved on to, um, to, to college and then I had a different coach that was national Multi's coach, and uh, and unfortunately, um, in 20, 2012, the Olympic year, my post high school coach passed away, and and I was left without a coach. And my high school coach wasn't willing to take time. You know, he he, he just didn't feel competent enough, and um, and he was coaching little kids too, and so I I was coachless for in the, the last year being in Latvia, I didn't have a coach, I had assistant people who helped me out kind of thing, uh, or developing coaches who, you know, guided me and helped me as much as they could, um, but it wasn't like a real set-up program, and um, I came to K-State, semi-injured, uh, well, truthfully, never semi-injured for me, it's whether nine out of ten things hurt today, <laughs> all of them. Um, uh, at Cliff, you know, I got to meet Cliff, and I knew, kind of knew what to expect. I knew he's a big, big deal, big time. 
um, coach. Um, I mean, I up until now, I I have high respect toward him, uh, but I understand that I actually had a conversation with him uh, just a month ago, right after we came back from Taiwan. That you know, I have a feeling that he's too good for me uh, because he is very busy. He spends time with. Um, many elite post-collegiate and I'm something in between trying to get back to that level and and um, you know all these years uh, from 2013 to 15 as I was training and competing um, he was there for us for the multis but um, it was not easy for me because I I was used to more attention mm -hmm. so I, uh, I had hard time adjusting to the new atmosphere of, you know, a bunch of people get together and train together kind of thing. Um, not to say good or bad, but it was not easy for me. Um, but we've, we've maintained good relationship with Cliff. Um, yeah, I'll share a little bit later about, the, as you mentioned, roadblocks and <laughs> things that I ran into uh, in 2015. But uh, he been a uh, helpful instrument in my development and, and I'm very thankful to him for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, y y you mentioned we'll, we'll hit those roadblocks later, but um, since since we're kind of on the topic, we might as well uh, discuss it. Um, I think that's probably one of the most interesting aspects of your career, and in my opinion, and I think I've told you this numerous times, one of the most inspirational parts of your career is you overcoming those roadblocks because I've kind of, I was kind of there with you when you were going through them because um, in the year 2015 you didn't have just one major injury but you had two that were relatively close together uh, could you talk about those injuries um, especially the first one because there's kind of an interesting story about the uh, oddity of that first injury <laughs> Kentucky, uh, friend. So that's Kentucky. Everyone wants to call him KU. Yeah, 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 UK. I, they hate being called UK and all that. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some rivalry in me. Um, so I, I competed there and uh, was only 10 points off, one second, or you can say you know, 10 centimeters in the shot put away from my national record in the heptathlon. And, uh, and a couple, I think like 30-something points off of the uh, school's record, K-State record. Yeah. And it placed third in the NCAA uh, rankings that year. It was early in the season, so I would have dropped down a bit. But still, that was the first year I qualified indoor, and I was very excited, and I knew there was much more left in the tank. And, <laughs> and 
and uh, you know, uh, with the expectations, uh, testing the results, or you know, showing that I, I can do something this year finally. And I came home and you know, rested that following week, active rest, easy. Uh, <laughs> and a week later, long story short, uh, I lost my uh, lost my wedding ring along with a finger. <laughs>
later, or three weeks later, I think, entered in um, discus and shot put at, for, uh, at the KU Relay Meet. Yeah. So that would be, I think, April 18th or something. And uh, maybe, Jason, you, you were there, potentially, no? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I was competing at that meet with you. And if I uh, recall, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you hit a personal best on the shot put that day outdoors. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe, like, I... That's a personal best. It's not anymore your some sort of result. You know, I, obviously it's nothing significant. But fourteen thirty-five, I, I I went. It was it was it still is my outdoor personal best in the shot put. Really? So that got me excited, and I knew okay, there's no way for me to. There's just no reason for me to quit now. And outdoor conference was you know getting closer and closer, and and you know I was like oh. Well, I haven't tried pole vault yet. Let, let me try pole vault if I can do that. Um, and uh, first, first practices in pole vault. I mean, I was just slipping down the pole. <laughs> Wherever I gripped, I would just come right down. My grip wasn't there for some reason. I could shot put. Discus was going like a butterfly, but still could fly far. Oh, relatively okay. You know, I yeah. threw forty-two meters one of the meets there in April. Uh, and then, uh, conference was I think second week of May. You know, I coaches thinking that I can still probably win the conference with my four fingers. And you know, I, at that point, my Achilles got worse and worse. And you know, I had been treating it and doctors and and painkillers and and just you know thought process that let's finish the season jump into a, an, an extensive rehab uh, program and get, get it get it ready for, for next season. But, you know, the season ends middle of June. Still had to endure it. And sure enough, a week and a half before the conference meet, I snapped my Achilles in a, in a high jump practice. And it's not my takeoff leg, but, you know, with, with a loud shotgun noise, it was indoor that we did it. And, you know, at that point, I did get encouraged. I mean, discouraged. Uh, that was like, oh, I know what that means. <laughs> Most athletes don't try even to come back after that. Yeah. So for reference, you, uh, in the middle of February, you're getting ready for indoor nationals. You're one of the top-ranked decathletes in the NCAA. You cut off right. a finger on your dominant hand, obviously limiting you in several field events. You come back. You end up setting outdoor personal best in, in in one of those field events, and I think you also did. You also set personal best in the hurdles at around that time well, too. No, or I had several PRs. Um, I had several PRs. I, I ran hurdles. We we went to uh, University of California, I think. Yeah, it was Berkeley. UC Berkeley. And then we went to San Francisco later. Yeah, yeah. I ran a, yeah, yeah. I ran a, um, a second. PR, like a second faster PR from the previous previous year in a 4x4 relay split, 48-8, and that was exciting, and hit the hurdle PR. Um, I, was, I mean, I was in a good shape, um, but my Achilles didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, so within a period of two months, you make this wild comeback in such a short amount of time, in my opinion, from a lot, from what people consider a debilitating injury with cutting off your finger, to... Now you're going to possibly one of the worst injuries an athlete could have in completely tearing one of your Achilles. 
Um, you know, it, that was a shock to say the least. And if I recall, you, you have a video of that actual injury, correct? Yes, I do. And that's why I was able to retell you that the noise was like a, you know, shotgun. It was like, <laughs> like a pop, real pop. Yeah, I could vouch for that. It was, it was crazy when I, when I watch it. You can just see you kind of run up, make your turn to go towards the map, and then it's just a snap of a gunshot almost, and you just kind of fall to the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anybody out there listening who has Achilles pain, and that's about to snap, the pain isn't as intense as people make it to be. <laughs> it's just emotional terrible it's emotionally terrible and it messes with your mind more than your leg um, but I hope nobody gets in that kind of trouble any at all ever so what was it like you know you tear your Achilles you're coming you see um, one of the things that you know going along with I said you're kind of one of my most inspirational athletes the thing I noticed when you tore your Achilles and even after when you tore your uh, tore your finger off, was the spirit that you were at least able to um, convey in public, um, as like after those injuries happened. I remember like within a week after uh, you uh, you cut off your finger, you were making jokes about uh, someone pull my finger or something, <laughs> and and uh, I remember after you tore your Achilles, like you were still at least publicly presenting like you were in high spirits. Um, you, 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 you had an idea that you could um, come back from it or at the very alert or at the very least you knew you were starting a journey that would um, improve you mentally and possibly spiritually. Um, can you talk me through that? Like, uh, can you talk us through that? Just like what that was like months after, um, tearing your Achilles, what that rehab was like? Oh, man, that's a complex question. Well, my spirit maybe was very positive, as, as you said. You know, I, that was part of the coping mechanism for me, and I, it's always been it's, it's been natural for me to, to try to, I don't know, not show pain, but also it helped me, um, at least outwardly. But my wife would tell you every single complaint there was, and there were a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> if she was here, she would tell you, you know, from A to Z, every single one of them. It wasn't an easy process. I mean, there's a lot that goes through an athlete's mind, passionate athlete's mind, um, when you go through something like that. Um, I just, that, that feeling of, you know, well, one thing I have to say, I... I got to stay, I got to sit in a lazy chair, a lazy boy chair for a while and was sipping coffee and living a life that I usually dreamt of when I was going through these grueling workouts, grueling practices. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking, well, if I can get, I can get to do something I really like on, you know, Sunday evening kind of thing. Oh, that's a life where, that's a life of, you know. Uh, you know, almost Wonderland. Uh, <laughs> it's in Wonderland. Um, but I soon realized it didn't take long for me to realize that it's just empty. I mean, I I still have that passion in me. And imagine if if you're being 
you know, taken away from your dream and in, in one split of a second then everything changes. Um, I, I knew soon after that I have to set a game plan for myself um, and I have to find people who can help me um, to get on the right track and get back in training. Um, yeah, it, it was a little bit of time until I realized that um, because I wasn't, for a moment, I was in a mo uh, situation where I thought, well, I've had two very serious inju injuries. And actually, maybe finishing up with the Achilles story, so I ruptured that in uh, on May 7th. But in the midst of a rehab process, something went wrong, and I had to have another second surgery where they basically snapped it open again and re, you know, re-done re it, redid it. So I had two Achilles snaps, essentially, on one leg. And uh, when you hear that, it's not twice as bad. It's ten times worse <laughs> than just one snap. The muscle atrophy, and that was done in August. So, I mean, I had, I had time of crazy doubts when I thought, well, finally, now, nobody's going to blame me for quitting from the decathlon. Nobody's going to um, say, whoa, Reigns, you didn't try all the way, you know. Most people assume that, you know, you got severely injured, go home. Do something that, like Usain Bolt says, go play piano. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, but I just realized it's not me. I couldn't, I couldn't live that kind of life if I never tried to come back. I just couldn't imagine, imagine not trying, you know. And my wife was really the first one who reminded me of that. She, she was a hip athlete as well in young age, and and uh, she kind of gave up. And she, she's pretty honest, blunt about it. She kind of gave up, and she's like, "Race, no matter what, you'll try. To, if, if you don't have a crazy another severe injury, you'll definitely try to compete until the Olympic Games and and see what happens. You won't have anything to regret and." Uh, there's not going to be anything you can say, well, if I did that, I would have been there. You know, there's no questions left anymore. So I did it. I just kind of kept pushing. And there are some people, um, there are certainly people in my life at the time that I didn't deserve to come, <laughs> come help. And I met the right people, chain of people that um, at the right time who were big encouragers for me and no, there is no shame of that. I needed that for sure. Um, oh, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no problem, dude. You, you know, I it, 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 it's something that a lot of people probably don't understand that have gone through injuries like that, that or that haven't gone through injuries like that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that if they would have injuries like that or perceive having an injury like that, they're like, okay, their career's done. But what's great about you is your story ends up happy, in my opinion, um, to where we are right now. Because as we spoke at the beginning of the podcast, you did um, return. And uh, return at one of the largest meets in the world uh, a few weeks ago in Taiwan at World University Games. So um, I guess, uh, you know... How is it like, uh, I guess I'm interested in the transition of, you know, you're coming off, you know, you're dealing with like the emotional stress of, you know, this injury, but when you're able to finally make those steps forward to 
okay, Rainus, you can now um, get on the track and jog, let's say. Like, what, what, what was that kind of like, uh, being able to make those first couple small steps forward towards uh, being an athlete again? Oh, um, well, every single, every single new ability was celebrated. Um, it started with underwater treadmill, walking, a little jogging. Every single act was celebrated. We'll actually, we'd actually have something like that we both enjoy, my wife and I, and we would have our little dance at home every <laughs> single time. We had an improvement in something. So we celebrated. We celebrated any progress. It was slow. It didn't come right away, and there were setbacks. There were times when you know I seemed like, oh shoot, I'm not improving at all. I'm actually getting worse. Um, but like um, actually being in the events, trying the decathlon events, again being able to spin in the disc and being able to push off in the shot and you know plant in the jab and and really take off in the high jump. The, the, the event where I ruptured my Achilles. Um, it was huge. I mean, I, um, massive emotions and, um, and just the feeling of I'm not in fear, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest things um, after coming back from injuries, coming to the point where where you're no longer doubting the, the integrity of the tissue. It's no longer under question. You are confident that it's strong enough and that feeling is nice. <laughs> yeah. All I can say there, it, it, it is yeah, worth celebrating. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's so funny to me. Um, when when you, I think, gave me the message uh, a few months ago that you were qualified for World University and you were going to compete there, I remember feeling, like, so happy that the rest of that day and probably a few days after knowing that. Because I remember having conversations with you when we were, when, um, because at the time, like, um, it was hard for you to get around, um, campus, especially when you were, when you lived off site for, uh, uh, in your apartment. So I'd give you rides back to campus and you and I would always have these conversations about, um, you know, I think the next big meet you can do is 2017 World University Games was, like, I remember us having this these conversations back in 2015, 2016, looking like a year and a half in advance, thinking that was, like, a reasonable goal for you. So, like, being your friend in that moment and knowing that you were able to compete at that meet, um, I gotta say, man, it was, it, it was a great sight for me to see. And, um, like, what was that experience in Taiwan like with it being your first major competition since the injury? Oh, so I, I did two decathlons prior to the World University Games in end of August. I did one at Pio Relays and the other in Spain. So I had an international meet already behind my, my back. Um, and I, truthfully, human is a dumb animal. But <laughs> me, um, you, you forget to appreciate. I, like I, I wish I could go back there and appreciate every single you know, moment I was there. Uh, but I uh, often forgot. I took things for granted. I forgot my story. I forgot where I'm coming from, what I've gone through. Um, I didn't forget to appreciate the people who helped, but um, you just take things for granted. You expect that you should be there and 
you should have been better and like I'm always hard on myself and, and my wife is a witness there too she she always know mm-hmm. uh, that too but I feel, feel like it's just the nature of most passionate people um, but um, yeah I mean it, there were some special moments that I truly celebrated especially in the high jump where I have been dealing with some chronic knee pain now um, there's no conversation with Rainis when you don't hear something chronic. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something chronic. But um, I have patellar tendinopathy uh, uh, that I'm dealing with now, but and that's been going on. But high jump, I cleared 198, and it's basically Ooh. where I left off before I ruptured my Achilles, and it, it was an exciting moment. And you know, people were looking at me like I just cleared my national record or something. <laughs> it, it, nothing significant. But I was just screaming, like you know, I was, I was so joyful um, for for being in that moment, and and uh, there were some special moments, and the, the other one was pole vault where I cleared my uh, repeated PR, outdoor PR, uh, 460, um, and the, the the crowd, the the Taiwanese crowd started cheering up, and um, I hadn't been able to really. Train for pole vault all summer. I was by myself. I didn't have a coach. Flip was traveling. My coach was traveling a lot. World championships and, and all all meets. So um, it was exciting to see. I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand, you know, uh, spectators clapping hands for you um, when you are still a little bit doubtful. Of I didn't have my own pole vault poles. I had to borrow them from. <laughs> thanks to the. Shout out to the Finnish guy, <laughs> uh, Hasi, he, he gave me his polo poles, um, similar numbers that I was training on, and uh, but I, it was you know awesome to, to be able to be in front of such a big crowd and and uh, not having those doubts. Awesome, <sighs> Renus. Uh, that's a, that's a, a great story. One thing we like to do on the throws chat is we like to go beyond um, just the competitions and all that stuff. Um, I was curious, do you have like any good stories about you know your time on the road with K State or even your time back in Latvia? Like just some fun uh, stories of camaraderie you've had with uh, some of your fellow athletes uh, that you'd like to share. For these kind of things, <laughs> let, me, let me think of something. Uh, well, a couple things come to my mind uh, from from Spain, from the, the decathlon in Spain. I I went there a day early, so I, it was European Team Combined Event Championships in Monzon, a couple hours, two hours away from Barcelona. Um, First, second of July, and I got there there a bit early, before my team arrived, and and all my dinners and lunches and breakfasts were either by myself, or there's an Icelandic team that uh, got there early, and they basically adopted me for for a couple of days until my team arrived for a day and a half, and I got to know these guys, and um, one of the guys actually now transferred. Uh, to the school in uh, Atlanta, 
University of Georgia. Mm. Um, it's super humbling. Uh, you, you, the, the, one of the coolest things in the decathlon is that um, you get to spend a whole day, two of them, with people similar to you who go through similar grueling workouts and mindsets and doubts and fears than you. And uh, it's it, that part with, with them, with the Icelandic team, just fun days together, but being able to, you know, re- relate to them and, you know, realize that they have similar injuries than I have. And I, I, I took some uh, tapes, uh, tape rolls from K-State, scrap rolls, uh, and a bag of them, a whole bag of them. And many teams didn't have their uh, physical therapists or or trainers with them, and I don't have a degree in that. I'm just a kinesiology major, but you know, I've treated myself and I've helped others before, and it was just, you know, mind eye-opening to see how rich America is and how not just America, most likely, but especially D1 collegiate um, setup, how much stuff we have. And how much, how few things other countries have <laughs> to treat their athletes. I, I was able to help like at least three or four teams, not out of me being boastful or anything, just how, how ridiculous it is, how not enough we appreciate <laughs> what we have here. It's big lifetime lessons, big lifetime lessons where you, where you see that, you know, what you have much more than you deserve. <laughs> um, maybe that's kind of vague, but I, I truly was able to help several team athletes, and uh, and that formed relationships. And one guy in uh, another short story, one guy in Taiwan uh, got third from New Zealand. He's a young guy and young athlete, uh, and his coach left for America. He's no longer in his country. And he's mm. looking in schools in America. He's he's trying to figure out what's next for him by himself. You know, he we're still competitors. We're still trying to beat each other. But at the end of the meet, he comes up to me and asks whether I can help him out. You know, because it, it's been we've formed good relationship over the, those couple of days. And you know, now we're connecting and I'm trying to help him to get here to school at K State or you know somewhere else if he prefers prefer somewhere else but just relational part in just the relational uh, aspect of a competition how much impact you can make in somebody else's life it's much more even rewarding than than the experiences on the track themselves honestly i completely agree because you know for me when i was at k-state a lot of my great memories, you know, they don't really come from my performances at, uh, you know, on the track or, you know, even when my time in Division Three, my, my memories aren't, my positive memories aren't really from uh, things I've done athletically. It's been through the relationships I've made with other people and, like, the time you spent with them. And something I've I, I found unique, uh, while, while it is common among, like, events for that camaraderie, camaraderie to happen between uh, competitors... I think, like, the multis, you guys are kind of in a special um, area because you guys have to, you know, 
go through this war of attrition over a period of two days with each other. And it's almost kind of like um, you, you guys are sharing the same pain. You guys, you know, have to spend, you know, all, you know, all this grueling amount of time with each other. And you're trying to beat one another, but in a way you guys, you know, achieve like, uh, at least what I've heard is like some, like this kind of hidden bond, like this, because you guys went through such a grueling uh, uh, competition. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Oh, it's, it's right on. I was going to say dead on, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's right on. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to add, really. A camaraderie through the grueling competition. I mean, you, you can't entirely relate to a person unless you've gone through it yourself. You know, and I think that's a big truth of life. Um, with anything you, you're dealing with, whether it's the decathlon or struggles apply um, you can't you know you can't be empathetic enough with just words um, you will be much more effective in somebody's life if you've gone through it no matter what you know it, it's not say that it's not it's, it's useless if, if you haven't gone through you know all the possible struggles out there but it's much more effective if you have together with that person Uh, I just want to bring this up because it's probably one of my uh, kind of the funnier memories that I've had uh, while at K-State was when you and I were, uh, we talked about being at UC Berkeley for competition earlier. And uh, Mm -hmm. after that, we were uh, like the coaches let us go and hang out like in the Bay Area of San Francisco for like a couple hours. Oh, yeah. And I remember you and I hanging out together then. And I just remember you and I deciding, hey, let's go into one of these shops. I'm not sure if you remember this, but it was like, I I remember you and I are walking through like, and there's just sculptures everywhere. And I was like, what type of shop is this? And like, they had like a giant, almost Roman centurion Trojan horse, like that was standing like 15 feet tall in the window or something. And I remember I like walked over to one of the sculptures and I kind of bumped into it and it just kind of rocked a little bit. And I looked at the sculpture and it was like maybe, you know, three, four feet tall and it had a price tag of about $10,000. I remember like, bu- like trying to get your attention. I was like, Rainus, we need to get out of here. We're basically bulls in a child shop. And if we knock one of these things over, we are literally going to be paying off debts for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I remember that sentence. But I, I remember actually a, um, a sculpture there, a line, I think. There was a million dollar sculpture. There was seven digits on that thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember. It's a very clear and vivid memory for me. I was like, yeah, was those, awesome. those uh, scholarships and a uh, little bit of, you know, stipends K State might offer us might not actually uh, might not do us any good here. <laughs> That's right. I was like, yeah. if you, if you bump into one of these, Rainus, you're gonna be paying off debts and staying in the U.S. the rest of your life. <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a way to for us, for my wife and I, to stay. Maybe that's the only way for us to stay. Otherwise, it seems like with the policy, policies around here and interesting people being in charge, seems like we may have to leave. Actually, next February, we'll, we're looking for other options, too. Maybe that's, that's the way to find a way to stay here. 
Oh dear. Back to San Francisco and bump one of those statues. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, I, ho I hope that works out. I mean, uh, uh, I know you got a good tra I know you got a gr good group behind you at K State. Um, it's been good to hear. It's good to know that uh, you know you still have people that are there supporting you. Uh, so, uh, I guess we're, we're gonna pretty much be wrapping up here soon. Um, would you have anything you like to plug, like, uh, social media accounts or even some businesses that are helping to sponsor you? Um, just to kind of get your name out there, um, are you, if you're still looking for sponsorships, uh, anything you'd like to plug? You know what, I, so we are strongly considering, uh, moving next year, starting from February, I'm currently under under a local uh, sportswear company, ETM Sportswear Company. I do a little bit of marketing for them, and that counts as a, a small sponsorship. Um, they're just making a video, um, putting a video together, being doing a bunch of interviews. But honestly, um, anything that I would be looking toward is someone who can who care about international marketing, who care about online marketing. Uh, in a sense of, you know, I would be overseas next year. If there's any way I can benefit someone, um, motivate someone, you know, encourage someone any way that is, you know, works both ways, um, well, just shoot me a text message or something. Let me know. Uh, throw my name out there. Anyone who's interested. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad you were able to come on the podcast today, Rainus. Um, I think we had, uh, I had a great time. Um, you know, your, your story is, is truly, uh, it's, it's an interesting one that um, I don't think it gets told too often. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's one of my favorite stories to tell people when I tell people of, the pe of athletes that I knew that I've gotten to ex uh, train with and experience friendships with. So I'm really glad you were able to come on today. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity for both both of you. It's been heartwarming for me to recollect those memories, and truly, it's been it's been encouraging to, to hear my own story. Because, as I said, humans are dumb animals. We forget. We we forget everything that we've gone through, and it's not that we need wisdom bombs every other day. We need reminders every day. I think and. That's what I needed to hear myself and hear you repeat me. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. We appreciate having you on, Rainus. We uh, wish you the best of luck in the future, and be sure to let us know how things go for you. Sounds good. Thanks so much, guys. See ya. See ya. Bye. Throwers of all ages, mark your calendars for the biggest throws clinic of the year. Grand Valley State University is hosting the 2017 GVSU Big Throws Clinic in Grand Valley, Michigan on December 16th and 17th. This clinic will be offering the first ever USA Whammer Throw National Championship, weightlifting for throwing seminars, a USA Indoor National Championship for discus, and the Big Clinic features lectures from America's top throws coaches. Throwers who register with Roadie Sport as a referral code receive a four-week special strength training program designed for shot and discus throwers. Coach Roadie is also offering huge discounts on shot put gloves, wrist straps, and lifting straps to anyone who pre-orders them at registration. Visit throwschat.com for more info on how to register.